you could pop that graphic up there for me. The doldrums are this area around the equator where the winds from the northern hemisphere and the winds from the southern, they come and they collide and they go upward. And it's an area and a place when there was no motors on ships, it was just nothing but sails. It was a place where there was very little or no wind at all. Sometimes, oftentimes, I don't know what is actually accurate, sailing ships got stuck there for long periods of time, and some were never ever to be found again. And you think of that word doldrums, you think about it, it's kind of like when the wind gets taken out of your sails. It's kind of like that time. It can be this time of year. It can be any. But I just, I just had a sense that in February, we ought to just talk about getting out of the doldrums, getting ourselves out of that place and finding a way to supply some wind in regards to three areas of our lives. Folks, you have a body. You are a triune being. You have a mind. And you have a spirit. And every one of those needs attention. Every one of those needs a little bit of tweaking. Every one of those, if you just pop a little bit of effort in each and every one of those, it can take you out of the doldrums that we find ourselves in. I have in your notes the, the words, no wind. Pull out your smartphone, follow along there, follow along in your notes in your program, no wind. Winter. In northeast Ohio, it can be dark, right? You get up, you go to work, it's dark, you come home, it's dark. It can be gloomy, it can be snowy, it can be bone-chilling. And it can affect our body, it can affect our mind, and it can affect our spirit. My wife Maria gave me permission to tell you that she has something called seasonal affective disorder. It's that thing when you have the type of personality or whatever it is where you don't get a lot of sun. They actually have lamps for it and stuff like that. That you really, literally get into a deep depression. And we first married, we didn't know what it was. It was just this time of year. And I talked to somebody. I, he was on my mind. I was at the altar praying this morning. He was on my mind because I know this is a tough time of year for him. And he didn't show up to church. I know this is a very, it gets to be a tough time of year. You get into a little bit of a, of a, a doldrums. And what Maria and I did, and this has been going on for 20 years, we just figured, why don't we plan our vacation during the time that's toughest and go somewhere where it's sunny? Now, I, I'm not telling you that was a revelation from Jesus, but I do like taking a vacation in February, you know. Get, you know and my wife has not struggled with it for a couple decades. Because you get to the place where you think, you're a little bit encouraged because, wow, in a month we're leaving. In three weeks we're leaving. In two weeks. And then my daughters, if they, we send pictures back and forth of places we've gone in the sun and we laugh and send a little video and this, that, or whatever. And it helps us get to that point. And then you spend a week in the sun. And you just feel invigorated. And then that gets you to spring. My wife has not been affected by it like she had before. Trust me, it was a down and it was extremely dark and difficult time for her constantly, ongoingly, on, so maybe that affects you, it isn't, but I, I have in your notes uh, the doldrums. It's a state or period of inactivity, stagnation, or depression. It's that time when uh, depression feels a little bit of like, you know, let me just get my little comfort blanket, wrap it around me, and let me just stay in my depression a little bit. It's a time of year. Some of you figured this out. Some of you maybe will be reminded of a couple different things here today. But I want you to know and understand that when your spirit is down, it can affect your body and your mind. And when your mind is down or in the doldrums, it can affect your spirit and your body. 
And all three affect each other. So let me hit on each and every one of them. The first one, would you fill it in with me? If we're going to create some wind, you got to move your body. Right? I know there's a song out there, move your body, move your body. I'm not going to, that's the most you're going to hear from it. Now, the body has a lot to do with different things, and I hate to pick on eating, but I just something that I experience. I want you to think about Thanksgiving. And I want you to think about the fact that Thanksgiving is such a wonderful day. We cook more food than we could eat in a week, and actually we do eat it for a week. You sit down and you have a couple of pieces of tryptophan or whatever it's called. It's called turkey, and it's something that makes you want to sleep. And then on top of that, you put some mashed potatoes. And, of course, my family, mashed potatoes, the best thing is corn, and that's the most useless vegetable there's got to be. You know, you put some, it tastes wonderful together, and then you put some gravy on it, then you have cranberry on top of it, then you have a piece of pie, and there's a couple different kinds of pie, pumpkin pie, whipped cream, and somebody brought an apple, and you just don't want to hurt their feelings. And by the time you're done, what you've done to your body is say, I'm going to pretend like I'm watching football, but I'll watch it with my eyes closed. You all right? Is that a time to have a Bible study? Who feels like, I'm so stuffed, I want to open the Bible? Who's so stuffed, they want, their mind is just like, you know, let's just get into some deep conversation. No, everybody just shut up and let me take a nap. Everybody. Well, how we take care of our body has a lot to do with our mind and has to do with our spirit. Pa- familiar passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20 do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? He's asking a question. And maybe you don't know, maybe you do know, maybe you just need to be reminded. He's just like, hey, hey, you know, remember, your body is a temple. Think of the picture of a temple. The inside of the old scripture, uh, passage scripture, the temple, where the presence of God was. And now it's transformed into this beautiful picture where your body holds the Spirit. And it says, who is in you? whom you have received from God, you're not your own. A lot of times we think that in regards to the spirit and the disciplines, but folks, how often do we get in contact and say, Lord, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, in regards to our, our body, how we take care of it. How often do we run it? It's not, you're not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. This is not a passage of scripture. It says you have to have a rock, solid, sculpted body. That's not what this is saying. It's a passage of Scripture that calls me to honor my body, our bodies, by not letting them become a hindrance. I asked Walt if I could pick on him today. He said, yeah, use and abuse me. I appreciate the fact that Walt's in a wheelchair, and I knew him when he was teaching before he was in a wheelchair, and I know he's teaching. You know, everything I've come to Walt and asked him to do, he's had a good excuse not to. I asked him to do graphics. Sure, he's teaching, sure, I mean. He, he, he gives me an excuse to tell everybody else here, what excuse are you going to use that you can't get there? You can't do it. Thank you, Walt. Thank you, Linda. We know you really are the saint, and that's what he told me. Thank you. Folks, our body is a temple. What excuses will we use to say to not take care of our body? Our body is important to ministry. When we don't discipline what we put into our bodies or how we take care, it affects the kingdom. We need to hear that. The passage of Scripture says, don't you know who's in you? That just doesn't have to do with your spirit. It says, the first thing that people see is us, everybody. The first thing that they see, a smile, whatever it is, how we take care of ourselves, how we smell, hygiene. And one of the greatest things I learned about coming to the altar and praying with somebody, Billy Graham, they said, listen, you're going to go to the altar, make sure you have a mint in your mouth. Ain't nobody can hear you praying for them if they can't stand your breath. 
This is practical, but reality stuff. Who is in you? Evan, you're not your own. I can't do with my body whatever I want. I can't just be lazy and sit on the couch. I can't put in my mouth whatever I want. This passage of Scripture calls me to say it is going to affect, and you were purchased. Well, a lot of times we go right to the, oh, I was purchased. No, your body was purchased. The Scripture clearly says we will have a new body. What is perishable will become imperishable. You will have a body. I can't do whatever I want. We have to get rid of the thought, I can do what I want with my body. I can do, you know, and just get into that. And this is a tough time of year to do that. Now, I know that there are some people here today. Your work, what you do, you're moving. And so this probably doesn't apply to you. You're moving. You're doing something. You're not just sitting there. But I know for some of you, so okay, you're doing okay today. But I want to say to you and to me, you know, you can't sleep deprive yourself because you want to put in the extra hours of work all the time. You, you, you shouldn't. If you know how much, everybody, you know how much sleep you need. You can't just lift whatever you want when you're young. Listen to some old people with bad backs, young men. Don't have to say there, sit there. There's somebody with a bad back back there. Don't, listen, you know, get out of the way. I can lift this. Oh, man, it hurt my back, man. And then you get proud. Oh, I got a slip disc, man. Got that when I was young. Then you have to have an ablation like Ernie. Go ask him how that felt. Folks, don't be so proud that you do your back wrong or your body wrong or your muscle wrong. That you have to pay for it later. There are people, they're proud of their ulcers. Because they just were like, I'm worried about everything, and I'm so proud of it. I want everybody to know I got an ulcer. It's like, you, we ought to make a blue badge form or something like that. Yeah, I got myself an ulcer. All of us have seen those who have worshipped the body. I'm not going that far. You understand that. Everybody here, you look great. But the thing about the body is, is you've seen men, bodybuilders. You've seen guys, that they, they, they worship the body and they're in such good shape. They wear a tight shirt and this, that, the other. You've seen women, they worship the body and they know what makes men fall. The three B's, I talk about it all the time, butts, bellies, and boobs. You all right out here today? You know? The people that are in really great shape, they don't often tend to wear knapsacks or sackcloth or gnashes and that type of thing. Wear something a little loose. Lord, help me. I go to the gym. What women, who tells you to wear this skin-tight stupid stuff? We can see every dimple of your, uh, uh, what's that stuff on your butts and stuff? I, what is the matter with you? Don't listen to the fools that want to sell you that stuff. Where am I? I forgot where I was going today. So, <laughs> Folks, we've all seen people, I'm not talking about worshiping your body. Because everybody here, just a little bit of the squeeze of every one of your muscles. Ten minutes can make a difference, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Do something a little bit more, squeeze the muscle a little bit, but if what you do, you do, and you work physically at it, maybe today you're in pretty good shape, because where you're at work, you're moving. I get that. I would just say to everybody here, make sure that's a part, because it's a part. Move your body, push it just a little bit more than it is right now, and you will create a wind. And it won't come from beans. One person got that over there. You don't need a New Year's resolution, everybody. You need to understand the Scripture teaches push your body just a little bit more, and you're going to need your mind to do that, number two. 
Number two is manage your mind. If you're going to move your body, the scripture teaches manage your mind. I don't know why it is on my phone I get so many different uh, uh, things about my mind, losing my mind. I, maybe, my, maybe my phone knows how old I am. I must because it, here's, a, here's a brain game so you don't you know, forget your, lose your mind. You know? they get, they're selling, do this three times a day, this, that, the other. You know, but I'm like, okay. I, I, I can barely do a crossword puzzle. You know? Maria and I together can get one accomplished. But the scripture very clearly tells us, manage your mind. Here's a passage of scripture. There's actually a song that goes with it. Uh, it's from Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, here comes a list of things. Whenever there's a list, we tend to just skip over them. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Engage your mind, because every one of us here knows, I'm saying, you get something stuck in your mind, you think about something, you're angry at somebody, it just tears at you. You can't hardly get it out of your mind. And you keep saying no. And this passage of Scripture says, Evan, manage your mind. Everybody, you know the phrase, mind over matter. It basically is get your willpower to overcome some type of other weakness, whatever it might be, physical or another way. Force yourself to think about the realities in the spiritual realm. That's all these are. These are a list of truths in the spiritual realm. Mind over matter. Let's just take... um, Let's just take true. Think about whatever is true. Folks, here's the truth. Christians win. Spoiler alert, right? You ever have somebody set the DVR? I set the DVR to watch a game every once in a while, and my son Joshua will text me and say, did you see the Browns won it in the last two minutes? I was going to go home and watch it and fast forward all the way through the whole thing. Spoiler alert. But you know... I'll go home and watch it anyway. And when Baker Mayfield throws an interception, I'm still smiling because I know the end. (laughs) And when somebody fumbles the ball, I was like, I know the end. You live in a life where the ball gets fumbled. You live in a life where interceptions happen, but you know the end. This is truth. Think on these things. Here's the truth. 50 years ago, 1970. Some of you... Hope you're all alive. <laughs> My sister looks at me. <laughs> 1970, 50 years ago, they lowered the voting age to 18. They're talking about lowering it to 16. Lord have mercy. Uh, the Beatles disbanded in 1970. Anybody here know what an eight track player is? $38 for an eight track player, and a lava lamp was $19.99. I saw something the other day on TV. This guy said, he had, there's a lava lamp. He said, I threw a bunch of those out. He said, they're worth six to seven to eight hundred dollars now. A lava lamp. You know? Things come around, they go around, whatever. Here's the truth. Seventy years ago, that was true, folks. Here's the truth. Seventy years from today, it'll be 2070. Fifty years from today, 2070, I'll be 110. This is truth. Actually, I'll be dead. I'll be dead. I'll be somewhere in eternity. That's true. Think about what is true. You know the end. 
This is why the scripture tells us to meditate on what truths are. How about the word pure? For the most part, the word pure here has to do with sexual purity. Purity of heart, purity of mind. You know, you try to get somebody, a guy or a girl, to say, I'm going to save myself. I'm going to be a virgin till the day I'm married. I'm gonna, see how well that worked out for Tim Tebow. Are you willing to take the mocking when you won't tell a dirty joke or you just tell somebody, stop, I don't want to hear your joke? Oh, boy, I'm, I was, I'm from a welding shop. I know how that is. And we learned a way to stand up and say, if my nine-year-old granddaughter, who I don't have, can't hear it, then I don't want to hear it. Purity. Practice purity. Think about what is pure. I love the word admirable. The word admirable basically carries with it giving admiration to somebody or about something. I'm so thankful for so many of you. I admire what you do. I admire the fact that you have a baby. You've asked to pray for a baby and you're in church. You know how many people ask and pray for a baby? I'm thinking about, they just know that the baby comes in the way now. So I admire you. That's admirable. Thank you so much. So many of you, I, if I get sick and I can't teach or whatever, Jim's right there, my daughter, people are there. So many of you, it's your qualities, your serving, your gifts, you're, you're admirable. And you have to sometimes think about people. Tom's on our, on our leadership team and said to me the other day, this is the best leadership team he's ever been on. And I said, that's because I'm here. And he said, yeah, but you're leaving. And I said, well, it'll get better. It'll get better then. Folks, think on these things. The scripture calls us, you control your mind. I control my mind. You know, the passage of scripture teaches me, place your mind on things that are proper and good according to Christ. Some people call this positive thinking, whatever. If it's biblical, it's called right thinking. All of these things are right, which comes from, this is righteous thinking. Manage your mind. We must take out of our mind that our mind cannot be controlled. We must manage it and to think on what we want because our minds can ruin or hurt or affect our body and our spirit. Look at verse 9. I held it back. What, and here's Paul. After he says these things to think on, he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, body, soul, spirit, mind, everything you've seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. How many of you ever noticed that peace is more often in the Scriptures connected to my mind than any other part of me? That peace has to do with the fact that God guards my mind. When, when He guards my mind, when I put my mind on these things, that He brings peace. Peace isn't often affected with the heart. That's where joy is. The, the, the heart and being your soul and your spirit. It's peace that God brings to our mind. Therefore, he tells us, let the God who delivers peace guard your mind, but you have something to do about it. Manage your mind. Haven't you ever gotten stuck a song in your head? You get a song stuck in your head. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, you know, whatever it is. You know, you're stuck in your mind. You can't get it out. You can't sleep at night. The Bible tells me, Evan, you can get stuck in your mind these half dozen true realities. Think on them. Think about how good somebody has been to you. It's so easy to think about how everybody's been bad or evil or nasty. 
That's Satan taking you over in that direction. Therefore, guard your mind. Therefore, the peace of God will be delivered to you. We surely can manage our minds, and that will produce a wind and gives us strength in our body and our spirit. Somebody told me this a long time ago. Don't let other people rent space in your head for free. Sometimes they don't even know it. You're angry or upset with somebody. They're renting space in your mind. Take your mind to where the Scripture tells us to go to and watch the peace of Jesus Christ come. Number three, we have move your body, manage your mind, and mess with your spirit. I'll know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what it means to mess with somebody. Give them a hard time. Put something over the top. Scare the bejeebers out of them. Do something. Just mess with people. And if that gets people's attention, I will say to you that if you mess with your spirit, you'll get your spirit's attention. I'm going to show you three ways that Jesus did this with people who just thought that they were just, uh, just walking down this normal, everyday, lukewarm street that they were on. And uh, Luke, the uh, ninth chapter, verse 57. You may not know, but you can mess with yourself. You can mess with your spirit. Let me give you three examples. Verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You get the challenge, don't you? There's a challenge. Words are cheap. Listen, everybody, let me ask you a question today. Have you told Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you, wherever you want, wherever you go? But you don't understand how difficult it can be to be a Christian. Everybody here, we're all right. It is difficult. There are some down things. We're studying the Beatitudes. There are some down things that happen in this world, in this life, because we decided to follow Christ. There's some tough things. Well, we talk about the big rewards, but there's some, there's some tough things. This person likes what Jesus stands for. This person likes what Jesus does. And sometimes, Christians, we fall into that. And the challenge comes back along, let me just mess with your mind a little bit. Nobody raise your hand. How many of you here would say, I will go wherever you take me? I know that you don't have much, Jesus. I know on this earth you lived a life that was extremely effective in the spiritual realm, but in the physical realm, you had more than these two animals had. I really want to be effective. See how Jesus messes with us? He wants to mess with my spirit and yours. He wants to say, will you go where I ask you to go? Look at the, verse 59, the second thing he says, said to another man, follow me. So the first guy comes up and says, I'm going to follow you wherever you want. And Jesus approaches this guy, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus knew how to mess with people when they thought that they might have a decent excuse. Jesus knew how to mess with people when they thought their excuse was a good one. Now, oftentimes Jesus says these type of things to get our attention, but to drive home a point and to mess with us. There's always a good excuse to make sure that we don't go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Every one of us here can raise our hand and say, you know, I felt that I should have shared the gospel, but I didn't. We found some excuse. This person just wants a break. Let me go back and bury the dead. Here's the truth, everybody. There's nothing you can do for somebody who's passed away. 
I don't know what you think or what you believe. The scripture says it's destined to every one of us to face death. And after that, there's no purgatory. You show me in the scripture. I've read the scriptures many, many times. You can't pray somebody out. There's nothing you can do. Look at the book, Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Here's where you find Christ. And so he says to him, why don't you go do something effective with your life to people who are alive? Jesus messed with us, didn't he? Will you decide today to proclaim the gospel? You do, it'll mess with your spirit. It'll strengthen your spirit. It'll make you be in touch with Jesus. Jesus, today I wake up, whatever you tell me to do, whoever, I'm here, I'm your servant. And you watch and see what happens. One of these days I know, I'm going to be on my way to church and somebody's going to break down. I'm going to have to think, gee, I'm a pastor. I've got to go preach. I've got to do this big job thing. Or should I stop and help these people? Probably happen next week now. <laughs> Folks, let's mess with our spirit. Because Jesus is messing with us. He's trying to get our spirits to come alive out of the doldrums. Number 3, verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. There's two examples of this. The Israelites, 430 years. They're slaves. Finally, Moses comes and sets them free. They have a little bit of a difficulty on their journey to freedom, and they say, we want to go back to Egypt. It was better back there. At least we had food, yada, yada, yada. And God was so angry, he he told Moses, move aside. I'm I'm going to get rid of all these people. And Moses interceded. There's another example of Lot and Lot's wife and Lot's family who were living in a place called Sodom. A lot of sexual bad stuff that a lot of people really enjoy. And on the way out, the angel says, don't look back. And you know the story. She looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. No no, no chance of looking back, everybody. Let's move forward. It amazes me how many people think that family in America comes before Jesus Christ. We do it in all kinds of ways, in sports, in activities, in all kinds of other things. It's the reason the excuse that people don't serve, people don't give, people don't come make it on Sundays. People somehow, you need to shake your view. Jesus is messing with us, saying, your family does not come before the kingdom. I didn't say it, and I'm not messing with you. Jesus, he's messing with us. Everybody here, I can think of some people, right? Your family knows the kingdom comes first. And they've had to understand that. They may not have always liked it. But your family knows the kingdom comes first, and you will do what you need to do. And they will not become an opportunity for you to not be a part. I'm not talking about people that abuse their family. I'm talking about people who love Jesus and love their family. And it may be a hard lesson to learn, but then they'll learn the truth of the Scripture. God, he, he has to mess with us a little bit. Those of you who have ever lifted weight, there's something called muscle memory. When you do a certain weight, a certain activity for your muscles over and over and over again, your muscle has this memory, and if you want to continue to grow it or you want to continue to affect it, you have to change the activity. You have to do something different. Change up that exercise and do this exercise. Then then the muscle doesn't, and it affects the muscle and it builds the muscle. It is the same way with your body, your mind, and your spirit, most especially your spirit. 
You've fallen into some things, and you're in this doldrum. You have to mess with your spirit a little bit. And the best way to do that is just take Jesus radically at his word because routine is the seedbed for doldrums. I don't know how many of you have a devotional every day, same time, that, that shuts my brain off. I do best walking, driving, off of my seat of my butt. I do best, my most thinking, best thinking, and my praying. I get on my knees, my eyelids go down. It's not just they're attached or something, you know. I do better walking or pacing. Whatever it is, mess with your routine and let the Spirit of God bring you alive. If you will live your Christian life according to Jesus' radical teaching, it'll put a wing under a wind underneath your wings. Now, on the other side of your notes, I have the phrase over there, a, a spring in your step, right? Everybody knows the picture of a, string, a spring in your step. We're, a lot of us are waiting for spring to get that spring in our step. I have a picture that a friend sent me from Upper Michigan. If you could put that up there for me, Todd, thank you. About a month ago, I was on a conversation with a friend in Michigan, and they said, we had an ice storm that was the worst that they had ever remembered on record. They said the ice storm came in, and it piled on top of a tree, on top of a tree, off a pile, off a tree. And just, they said the power went out. There was no generators to be found. They were without power a couple weeks. She sent me a picture. She said, Evan, this is a picture of my street. There's houses on either side of this, and there's this big coming down, but you couldn't see nothing. She said, you wouldn't believe it. She sent me this picture, and I was just like, this looks like somewhere out in the wilderness. This is somebody's street with houses on either side. You talk about getting caught up in the doldrums. Getting plowed under, feeling down and depressed. All right, that's enough. Can you get, take that off? That's just depressing me looking at it. That may be how you feel today. And maybe that's why Jesus put this on my heart. But I, I can say to you, you can get a spring in your step when your body, your mind, and your spirit are pushed past routine activities. It'll put a spring in your strap, step. You see the asterisks? I got this, uh, this central point from what we looked at today. It says the peace of God, which is in your mind, right? And the joy of the Spirit, which is in your spirit and your body, can replace the doldrums. I'm not talking about doing a lot. I love Pastor Daniel when he was here. He took his compass and he put a compass on his phone. He said, if you just go five degrees from here to here. I'm not talking about a lot. I'm talking about ten minutes a day for somebody, whatever it might be, whatever area that is lacking in your life, maybe all three, maybe one or two. Just a little bit. Instead of just keep going this way, five degrees, man, has your way over there in Chardon. Other than that, you're going to end up in Middlefield in the cheese factory. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Our body is not our own. Let us stop treating it like it is. We bought at a price. Let us not give in to every desire the body has. The God of peace promises to guard our heart if we set our mind on right things. Mess with your spirit and act exactly how Jesus teaches and it will bring you alive in every aspect of your being. So in your notes, I want to challenge you to all three of these areas for 30 days. 30 days from today, I looked on a calendar, 30 days from today will take you to my sister's birthday. 30 days from today, if you'll do something every day, it'll take you to March 10th. It's going to be uh, 49 years old. March 10th. 
And if it gets you to March 10th, you'll be within 10 days of the first day of spring. Which, write this down, put it in your phones, Dairy Queen offers a free ice cream cone March 20th every year. Get your phones out, put it in there, that's important stuff. That'll take care of your spirit. Free ice cream cone. So here, you, you know this acronym. If you don't write it in, fill it in with me. They don't have it for the screen. The S in SMART stands for specific. Folks, be specific. Just be specific about something, but don't, don't just write it. What are you going to do in your spiritual world? What are you going to do in your body? What are you going to do you know, in your mind? What, what are you going to do? The second one is measurable. Before you do the specific one, make sure that you can measure it. Make sure it's something you can say, I did it today. Maybe it's you're going to get in and out of bed three times in the morning. Whoo, I got out of bed three. I did put three push-ups. Okay. That leads us to number two, number three. A is for attainable. Make sure it's attainable. Don't leave here and say, next week you're running a marathon. I can barely drive 26 miles. <laughs> and then make sure it's relevant. Is this going to be relevant? Is this going to have something to do with my spirit, my mind? I would say go right to those words that we looked at in regards to mine. And the last one is time-based. That's why I set a time of 30 days. And in the meantime of you getting where you're going to go, the doldrums will be lifted. Can I tell you something about the doldrums as I wrap up here? There are people that get into the doldrums in their spiritual realm, and they never come out. There's no wind. They just stop growing a little bit. They don't sense or feel the presence of the Lord anymore. They're not in church anymore. They're out wandering around. They're not here today. People get in the doldrums and get lost forever. The second thing I would say to you is the reason that Christians should own a motorboat and not a sailboat is that the motor will help you when there's no wind. That's why I have a motorboat. Get a boat with a motor on it and don't ever worry about the wind dying, everybody. You all right out there today? Jesus, thank you so very much for the truth that you taught us today. Thanks for helping me this morning, Lord Jesus, your power, your strength. Thank you so much. May you help us today to understand that uh, to be obedient to the body, soul, and spirit, the mind that you've given us, will help lift us out of the doldrums. This is a time of year when we get just a little bit lazy and your spirit wants to lift us. Give everybody just a little measure of what it is that they need to do in whatever area so that we are alive, so that we're worshiping you, we're enjoying our Christian relationship with you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.